Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. And welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. I am the Zach standing on the film. Across from me is Stephen of Schleicher. I'm so sorry. I love my mom. And I love my dad. And I love everybody. That's the time I'm sorry. And look at the stuff coming out my nose. That's very sweet of you. And all the way across the internet, Matthew Peterson. Okay, here's your motivation. You're on the internet. You're watching a movie. You're on the internet. No one's here to help you. But you're on the internet, Zach. How do you feel? I feel very scared. Because we are starting our string of horror movies. Yeah, from now until the end of October. Yeah. Nothing but scary moments for Zach. And Floyd, it's a it's an allegory for the rest of Zach's life. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. Steven, stop. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Stop it. Hey, Matthew, you don't know. It could be. Dude, I have a 13-year-old girl. This is not the end of your life, trust me. I'm not I saying. I didn't say it was the end of his it, life. No, no, no. Uh, and maybe it's not the child. Maybe something else will happen in November yeah. that will just ruin everything. Ooh, you know what could happen? Aliens. Uh, probably, Wait, what happened last nukes. November that ruined everything? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we are kicking off this horror movie start with 1999's breakout horror film, The Blair Witch Project. Oh, oh God, I love this movie. A movie that spawned a trend that I think is kind of tapered off now. I was no, trying to th- no, it has not. Oh, I have just apparently not been aware of new found footage movies. Right. Because The Blair Witch kicked this off, and apparently it's still going strong, according to Steven. I thought the last kind of stuff was Chronicle, Paranoia, Paranormal Activity, like 72. No, 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 no. There's still, there still found footage stuff coming out now. Like big stuff? Uh, I would say it's medium to, I mean, I'm not saying like super large, yeah. but I would say medium sized budgets are still, still doing fun. Look, Chronicle was just what, that was like five years yeah, ago, not very long. but, uh, there's still, there's still found footage stuff that's coming out. Okay. Well, I guess I just haven't seen anything in the theater. Also, I'm not like, it came out like two years ago and that was a weird found footage. Thing. Which one? Unfriended. Wow. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Nope. Nope. That's, You're that's right. totally right. Yep. Yeah. And you know, if you go back, I mean. Found footage films go way back before this. I was I was watching Cannibal Holocaust when I shouldn't have. Yeah, when that I was, was like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. So I mean, definitely it's there. I think what what's happened to it is like so many of these things, it was the big, hot, trippy thing, and now it's just another filming technique, and people are treating it as just, hey, here's a way that we can present our story. Here here are some it's, lists of recent. These are 2017 quote unquote found footage films. The Dark Tapes from Epic Pictures Group that came out in March. Phoenix Forgotten, which came out in April. Leatherface, which came out in <laughs> coming coming out in October. Mm. Uh, Jigsaw coming out in October. Now, is and, that a Saw reboot? Yeah. Uh, Jigsaw? I think yeah. so. Is a blah, 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 Pete Goldfinger, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Uh, Saw okay. 3D was originally deemed a series final installment before yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. and then um, Unfriended 2, which will oh. come out sometime this year, and okay. Hashtag From see. Jennifer, also coming out sometime <laughs> this year. And then next year, they already have two found footage films uh, coming out. And those are just the All movies. Right. That's not TV series, uh, including Alien Autopsy Factor Fiction from 1995. Mm. And uh, Mr. Biffo's Found Footage that came out in 2017. <laughs> yeah. And apparently... Actually, in, uh, I don't watch the show, but American Horror Story Roanoke uh, yeah. was supposed to be all found footage. Yeah. One of my favorite and dumbest, but 
so effectively scary uh, dumb found footage movies is the Poughkeepsie tapes, which I don't think was ever actually officially released, but somehow eked its way out onto the internet. And that movie is so scary, you guys. I mean, so scary. And I remember seeing this. I saw the Blair Witch Project in the theater with my wife. It was a relatively new wife at the time because um, we'd been married for less than four years. I love this movie so much, and she hated every frame of it so badly. Well, there's it a lot. Have... To, there's a lot to hate from yeah. the technical, the story, the acting categories. Mm, I think that the the real strength of this film is its immediacy. Is the fact that because of the way it was shot, because of the found footage, and I will I will say it, the found footage gimmick, because it is truly the gimmick. It's the it's the hook. Well, it's the way that you're telling your story. It's it's right. But in this case, that's I mean, that's how they sold this. When I remember seeing the Blair Witch documentary on sci fi, that's like, oh, yeah, you guys, this is totally air quotes, a real story. Well, when mm. they have in that show and I watched that yep. same thing, too. But when you have M. Night Shyamalan popping up in it, mm -hmm. then it's mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, something's not right here. And after watching that, even before going to see it in the theaters, I was like. Ah, uh, there's something, this isn't, th this is definitely not real, or it would be yeah. a lot bigger to do than a sci-fi channel mockumentary. But it was, uh, many people believed the Blair Witch Project it, was true yeah. found footage of kids in a forest, yeah, right? and I just, yeah, oh yeah, totally. There were, I remember when I was teaching mm -hmm. in Atlanta, all the kids were coming in going, oh my gosh, this thing's so real, and then this disappeared, and the guy's standing in the corner, and then she gets killed, and ah, uh, they found this footage, and it's just like... First of all, just watching the film, using some logic, there's no way that it could have happened, number one, just from the technical side of it, because they keep talking about all these batteries they're having to pack in to run their 16-millimeter films and their DATs and all this stuff, and they're going for days, and you never see them lugging around tons of batteries, because batteries in 1995 weighed a ton. I mean, just a battery that would run you know, 20, 30 minutes was a 10 pound brick. Mm -hmm. All right. And so they have no chargers. They have no method of doing this. So they're running around, not even with a belt of batteries for the 16 millimeter camera. So right there, you should be uh, questioning yourself. Uh, mm, that doesn't make technical sense. Uh, and then there's just a bunch of the other stuff that just, Oh, how convenient type stuff. Well, it was great because, and I'm... then especially at the end when you watch the credits and it's like listing oh, yeah. all of these crew members that were part of the production, it's like mm, not in yeah. a found footage. There's not going to be that <laughs> many people. So right there, you know, it's, it's fake. And yet still people today are like, no man, that was real. The, wow. it, it, it's, it's great watching the Blair Witch Project after watching many of the like spawns of what this movie created mm -hmm. Because, the things that came out of it. Yeah. Because there are certain aspects of any horror movie, but especially a found footage, you kind of have to jump through to make, to try to get to a logical sense of how this is even possible that they were filming it all. It all, it's essentially always has to be film students because who the hell is ever carrying around cameras <laughs> like this? Right. And you have to get around battery issues because that was like a double point in like in the first five minutes of the film, yeah. like we have the way that we charge it, we have enough batteries to last us till the end of the world. That, like, that's how many we have, and it's like, uh, but no, you You're don't, because really, otherwise, really don't. one person would be packing <laughs> like 200 pounds right. worth of batteries, right? And you know, as people who worked cameras in the 90s, we know that, and that may be that may be one of those moments that I'm willing to forgive because, in terms of the story being told, all that really does is inauthenticate that portion of the picture for what four four or five percent of the people in the world who've actually used these type of cameras right. i could see i think i can forgive that but for me and i've always said for some reason found footage is totally my jam i love no there's something i mean there's there are moments when you watch this when they're like waking yeah. up in the middle of the night and they're like guys did you hear that what is that and what you hear that? like a baby baby crying did you hear a baby crying no yep. no what was that and then somebody's like banging on the outside of the tent and people are freaking out and you do get a little tense you do get yeah. a little bit a little oh, you know you a know, little, little tense Stephen. it just it's just yeah. a little bit it's just like that little tingling oh, along your here. legs get, where yeah, the, the no, hair's just kind of standing up no it's not right. scream it's no. this movie is not scream inducing oh, ever ever no. even when i saw it the first time <laughs> this movie is not 
horror scare nightmare inducing. Yeah. It Let is, me, there are some moments of little, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's bringing right, a little no. tension. It builds this movie tension. Is there, there aren't any jump scares that I can recall with the exception of maybe the final frames. And that's the, that's the problem for me. You really you want you want to jump scares? No, I was waiting for it the entire time. I assumed there was going to happen. No, 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 no. I hate jump scares, but I was bracing for it for an hour and eighteen minutes. Oh my god! Because next month is going to be wonderful. (laughs) Because I just oh, you're going to just go insane. Because the the format of filming this is perfect for jump scares because the camera is chaotic. There could have been anything at any moment. To just pop into the frame randomly just by wheeling the camera around. So I was every night scene. <laughs> I had to watch this in my office because yeah. Aubrey in no way in hell was she going to watch this. You're watching a lot of movies at your, <laughs> at your office. And so it's horrible because then I plug in my headphones. And so I can't right. I like during all of the night scenes. This is no joke. I would just partially take off one of my headsets because I needed to ground myself. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that there was yeah, other noise. When you hear the little baby out there go. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. Oh, the Omen is going to be so much fun because that is. I got halfway through this film and I realized, oh, it's so much more terrifying because there's no music. Right. It's silent besides them talking into some microphone all the time. Right. And it's just them running. And I don't Funny. know what's happening. And the music, the, the laughing or whatever is coming from all around. And I just I straight up couldn't handle it. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, the indistinctness <laughs> of that noise, is it laughing? Is it screaming? Is it crying? Is it, you know, Josh being tortured? That's amazing to me. Now, have you seen the launch boot vampire Google Google from 2016, Zach? No. Blair Witch? No. Oh, okay. the remake I, thing? Yeah. I recently it's a sequel, watched yeah. it. Yeah. It's a launch boot revamp because it, oh, okay. it deals with Heather's younger brother right. going out with modern technology and drones and digital cameras and such to try and find hints as to whatever happened to his sister. I watched that with my wife in my living room. My living room is a happy place. My living room was full of <laughs> pictures of the child and you know the bouquet from our wedding and flowers and candles and all sorts of bull crap. My living room turned into a terrible hellscape for an hour and 95 minutes or whatever it is. Because the Blair Witch, the remake of the Blair Witch Project, or the Launch Vamp reboot sequel, has jump scares galore. Jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. And I remember watching and thinking, this is good, this is scary, but this is not, to me, the Blair Witch Project. Because Blair Witch Project, first of all, is mostly unscripted. And you can tell. Except that this was totally scripted. It was not scripted. It, it, they had they had ideas of what they needed to say. They had, I mean, they were told these are the points you definitely need to get across. But there was not a script that said Heather says X, Mike yells back, and they're talking over each other. There's false starts. There's misspeaking. There's people mispronouncing things and yelling and screaming, and it feels more like a conversation between people who are starting to fray and frazzle and scream at each other than most horror movies, at least to me. It was. I, it, this movie was not what I expected it to be. Because what did you expect it? Well, to be? the problem. This movie certainly should not be known for its cinematography in any no. stretch of the imagination. But I do want to talk about that. In yeah, there, we can but get go to ahead. It. But the one thing I know about Blair Witch is at one point a camera is in someone's face, and mm-hmm. I learned this is at the very end of the movie, essentially when she's talking with the light and, oh, and apologizing, mom, right? My dad and my boogers. And so that was like a really iconic. Oh yeah, it's an iconic. Show. I mean, it was the it was on the poster, <clears throat> right? And so I just, but part of me assumed there would be more cameras facing people as they were running through forests, and not like twenty five percent of this movie being a black screen with uh, <laughs> horror sounds happening around it and yeah. uh, people uh, trying to sprint through a forest at night. So a couple of things about. Just why it's black and everything. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, this was being shot on 16 millimeter film with the idea that they were going to be shooting mostly daytime stuff mm-hmm. and not nighttime stuff, which is why they didn't bring a lot of lights with them. So That's, when you're. They when thought you're, they were going to shoot mostly day and like all of the scary stuff happens at night? No, That's I mean, no, I'm talking about the student documentary part that was going on. Oh, uh, okay. inside, inside the film. The film. So got yeah, right. so they've got, got, they've yeah. got a 16 millimeter film. They're probably using film. That is 
best used in daylight. daylight so like sure. 100, 200, maybe 400 mm-hmm. speed film, right? Mm-hmm. At nighttime, that stuff isn't going to do anything. No. Next thing, this is 1999. Uh, the cameras, the video cameras at this time, if you had something that was of any kind of small portable size, crappy in the dark. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if it's pitch black and you have zero lights and you're running... You're not going to see anything. Right. So from that standpoint, they I think they got that part right and got mm-hmm. the understanding of that right. The problem that there are a couple of problems from the cinematography side with any found footage that, you know, that generally I have a problem with. First of all, you're right. They don't know how to frame jack crap. Especially in, in for film movie. students. Right. And they're supposed to be film students. Right. But yeah. here's a revelation that I had this weekend when I was watching this uh, again. This is exactly what my video students <laughs> would return. Yeah. They would, because how many times, Zach, have yeah. I said, use a damn tripod, yeah. frame your shots, rule of thirds, and how many times are people coming back with too much headroom, top of the head's cut off, things not framed correctly, things mm-hmm. not framed at all. Mm-hmm. And so from that aspect, I can say, okay, maybe this is a, this would be student film project. But on the flip side of that, they're shooting film. Film's yeah. expensive. Yeah. Student yeah. film stuff is expensive. That's like ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of of film stock that they Just also have to money. that they also have to cart through mm-hmm. yeah. a forest, and we never see canisters anywhere, right? And we and never those, see them those, talking about that. Those interviews in Burkittsville, somebody needs to focus that damn camera. Yeah, and they need to, well, that's they one need thing. Back that's, focus, and then just that's that's the one thing that the front focusing, uh, back focus something different. Um, <laughs> That is one thing that they did spell out in the movie where they're sitting in the car and he's like, oh, I was doing meters or feet instead of oh, meters. Yeah, and so that's why in that one interview, it's all out of focus. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess, you know, it. if you're running from something, Zach, if a monster is chasing you through the woods at night, are you going to turn on your camera as you're running? I mean, probably not. I mean... Unfortunately, and this is a very sad thing that's that's happened. Uh, there was just a massive earthquake today in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And yet we have zero footage of people running out of the building with their cell phones on, or at least at this point, And we're not even full 24 hours. Now, we have a lot of people standing around in parking lots watching buildings explode and literally watching buildings fall because of this. But we don't ever see people running out of the building as the earthquake is going on. Mm-hmm. That whenever that happens in a film, whether it be uh, Cloverfield or uh, um, the um, superhero movie Chronicle, Chronicle, or this one, whenever someone turns on their camera before they start running, that's a big tip off that. Yeah, this is this is for story narrative purposes, and so that's where a lot of found footage films fall apart for me is because. Nobody does that. I have never seen anyone do that. Mm-hmm. And if you did, it would be all over the news. And rarely do you ever see anything like that. Yes, in a hurricane. Yes, we're outside in a hurricane. Hey, oh, no, something's flying at us. That's just people being stupid. But if you're literally terrified, your flight or your fight or flight response is not telling you turn on your camera before you start running. Mm-hmm. You should do uh a breakdown of every found footage movie like Neil deGrasse Tyson does of every, <laughs> uh, every space movie. <laughs> he just like rips it to shreds. <laughs> so, but there are, that. but there are some other, there are some other things. And I think that, you know, the found footage genre really changed. I mean, so the nice thing about the Blair Witch Project uh, being a found footage thing is that it was feasible for college kids to go out and, and have this happen to them mm-hmm. because they did have access to 16 millimeter they did have access to, in this case, it would be not even DV. It would be like VHSC yeah, uh, type tapes to go out and shoot with. And so it makes it, it makes it believable and accessible. When you watch a movie like Chronicle, yes, there's video cameras, but they're also using security cameras uh, from buildings. They're mm-hmm. also using, starting to use, cameras. yeah, starting to use cell phones. I think in the next couple of years, found footage movies are going to be much more interesting because what they're going to do, and this is just a prediction that the next big found footage film is going to say people on the street. We want you to come down with your cell phones and we want you to capture this big action sequence. Mm. 
And then they're going to say this big action sequence was captured with people and everyone's going to send in their cell phone footage and they're going to incorporate quote unquote yep. actual cell phone footage of these events. That's what you do. And then you also, you partner up with the cell phone provider or, or people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can have your, your, you know, your pair pad people come in and say, Hey, brought to you by the pair pad seven. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think that, that that's going to be this next big leap in found footage technology is not these high-end expensive cameras someone running around with a, a red dragon trying to film the next monster movie live from from the ground zero it's going to be people out there with their with their cell phones and with their with their little cameras that they have their gopros on their on their selfie sticks and on their steady uh, devices which are super inexpensive and almost everyone has them or so mm -hmm. many people have them the problem is, though, you still have to tell a coherent story without so much jumping around and bobbling around and, and nausea-inducing. And that was the problem with Cloverfield, is it became nausea-inducing for the people who were watching it because the camera was shaking around so much. What makes yeah. Blair Witch work is so much of that is black Nothing. and dark that if you're sitting in the right. theater, you have no point of reference to become motion sick. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, Blair Witch Project works from the black and white perspective, from the found footage perspective, from so many areas, it works really, really well. But yeah. then there's so much of it that just screams, this is not real. Don't but, believe it. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. But that's also, I mean, kind of, you have to take your level of suspension of disbelief. And that's going to be different for each person. I can see where I'm good with it and you're not. And that's perfectly legit. But to me, it's the equivalent of saying, why didn't they murder Gilligan? The premise of because he was show, too skinny, they really should have killed Skipper and eaten him first. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. The premise of the show, if you're actually accepting it, and if you're working in you know good faith as a as someone who's watching it, the premise of the show states that okay, X, Y, and Z happened, and you go okay. So to say, well, why is stupid? Why is there why? Not only is that grammatically incorrect and indistinct. It kind of, to me, I think, is, is you know, questioning the very point of the movie. It's like saying, you know, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, why is this crazy guy wearing a leather mask? Well, that's the movie. That's the point. Why, you know, why does Luke Skywalker want to go off and have big adventures? Oh, well, he doesn't. He wants to go to Tashi Station. He gets abducted want, by yeah. an old man and some droids <laughs> he wants to, uh, see to go on a suicide pact. So, yeah. They're his favorites. His no, no. The, so I'm not trying to dismiss the, the found footage. It's just like there's so mu much of it that is disbelieving. I'm not saying that found footage films can't work because I've already mentioned several like Chronicle, like Cloverfield, like Blair Witch, where it does work. The yeah. problem is when people look at something like Blair Witch and say, oh, well, I can just do that. Let's just have a shaky right. cam and let's run around. They, if they don't have a story or structure, it still falls apart. And that's where a lot of, right. that's where a lot of the problem that I have in this film comes from is that it's, the acting is not, not good. Right. Well, it's like people who look at a Jackson Pollock and say, well, my six year old can drip paint like that. No, they can't. Mm -hmm. And that's the point about this is it, part of the reason that it works is it feels like this took no effort, that this is just some kids dinking around with cameras. And I agree with you in terms of the weaknesses of the cinematography, especially the cinematography as shot by the actors, when it's clearly the actors shooting it, is, a, is, is definitely subpar. But it also kind of, to me, helps to sell the reality of their, their underlying thing. If I go in and I'm like, okay, I know that this movie is not for real. Well, I, I don't know if I actually knew that it was in 99. I didn't have an opinion one way or the other. But I went to this movie and I'm like, wow, that was effective partly because of how it felt like reality. Because everything wasn't perfectly framed or correctly put together. And to some degree, I think that is the real selling point of a found footage film is if you can immerse yourself in it, it can make it feel like yeah. this is a real thing that's happening. And it's even scarier because... What happens if you wander off looking for the blue light lady, Zach? Have you heard about the blue light lady? I'm very, fam about I'm very familiar with the blue light lady. Yeah. yeah. No, we've yeah, talked I got lost one night with the blue light lady and I, I nearly you got You know, arrested. the, the problem, the, I don't have a problem with using the found footage as a narrative tool. I really don't have a problem with that. Area 51 is an interesting show. Uh, there's mm -hmm. another one about uh, these, uh, it's a foreign film where these guys go, was it infected? Is that what it is? Where they go on a trip and it's Troll turns, Hunter? No, no, no. Well, Troll Hunter is another one that's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is, uh, let me, I'm trying to find it here, but it's basically these two guys go to like Spain 
for vacation oh. and they're filming their experiences. Is it, is it the vampire contagion? one? Yeah, and it turns into a vampire yeah, movie. Yeah, I remember what that's called. I can't remember if it's contagion or not, but it's good. But at the same time, you know that, hey, we're using this storytelling. Right. We're using found footage as a storytelling technique. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to force upon people the idea that this is real events that happened. And that's unfortunately what Blair Witch tried to do is try to push on people that this is real. Everything you're seeing really happened. You don't want to go into the woods because somebody in a cabin's going to kill you and make your friends stand in a corner. And then the rest of your friends are going to find a bundle of twigs with all of your teeth inside. And that's what I think, I think annoys me the most about the Blair Witch Project is this, constant push of this is real this is real this is real when in fact it's totally not and you're lying to a, and i guess i really have a problem with people that that <laughs> habitually lie <laughs> but that's what they're doing is they're lying to the audience trying to say hey no this is totally real and when people question it they're like no it's totally real but there's the actress over there no 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 this is totally a real found footage thing and so that's i guess the biggest problem that i have with it is the disingenuousness of Lying yeah. to marketing. people. Yeah, they're marketing. Yeah. Disingenuity is the word you're looking yes. for. Yes. And I'm and trying to find, definitely. I'm, I'm pretty sure that other one is called Contagion that or Contaminated or close. something Contagion like that. Contagion sounds pretty good. I don't see it here on the Do big list. Do we know list. what year? It just was like two years uh, ago, two yeah, or three years ago. 2015. I'm looking for it right yeah. now. My but brain regardless, I'll, I'll find it before we before the end of the show. Right. What, what I did think was interesting with the narrative of Blair Witch is that... It okay. So first off, I hated the ending. I thought it was garbage. I thought they Why? had no idea how to end the film. Oh, Why? the ambiguity, or just the way it was. was it was struck. just yeah. I think so. It was the just problem. Dumb. So the problem with the way the movie ended is you have to listen to two stories that are going on in the right. what's in the woods. So when they're interviewing people in town, they're really talking about this Blair Witch thing. They're trying to find out about the witch. Yeah. But as they're interviewing people, they start talking about this mass murder thing that happened not too long ago. And they tell you, well, this is how they killed people. They made one person stand in the corner while the other person was killed. And then they came and killed the other person. And then all the bodies were spread out on the rocks. And so while the, the students are focused, the the main characters of this film are focused on, well, there's this Blair witch myth. They totally miss the point about there's a serial killer or killers that are in the woods that have killed these people and that no one knows why it is afflicted. That's what it is. Oh, Afflicted. Yeah. That. Good job. Afflicted. Yeah. Okay. So I did forget about the standing in the corner thing, but. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something where, you know, they talk about that a couple of times with the, the rust and par portion of the myth and true. You do have to kind of remember that. Sure. But, but I guess the problem is if the idea is that it is a person in right. the woods killing right. people. They could right. have shown it. No, because that's what makes not, it scary. Is the un- not, no it's because it's not scary. Yeah, it is. Because is not scary. The scariest ending is, is if you've been paying attention to the story about uh, one person stands in the corner while the other person is killed from behind. The minute right. the girl walks in, and it you see Mike the man in the standing in the corner, you know, oh my god, turn around, turn around, turn around. He's right behind you. Get out, get out, get out. And then you hear this pump, 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 and then the camera drops because he she's been attacked from behind and is dead. Well, I mean, I figured she was dead or something. The problem is I was so scared. Well, they're all dead because that's how they all went missing. I was so (laughs) scared the entire film. There was no reason for me to remember about the kids would argue. I would argue that you're right. The ending is fairly weak because unless you've been paying attention to it, those last minutes make no sense. And if they were doing – if. If these kids were doing the found footage thing that they made popular correctly, the camera would have fallen – at an angle to where you could See have seen person. a person walking to Mike and then killing him yeah. after, and she's laying dead on the floor. That's how they, they would have done no, it. And that's how everyone after this movie did it. Mm-hmm. The right, camera but that's falls. Also, yeah. I, to me, I think that's a selling point because in some, on, on some level, it kind of unravels or undermines those horror movie tropes. The Michael Myers is right behind you, run away, Jamie Lee Curtis. You never see the witch we never actually have any actual proof of the existence of a witch we see creepy eerie things we see stick figures we hear voices we hear screaming we find a hunk of josh's tongue and his teeth and hair we find all of these creepy terrible things happening 
but there's never ever a sign of the witch and to me that that's very successful on that rod serling level of the unknown is scarier than anything they could ever put together have you guys ever seen jeepers creepers I have. Oh, I probably have seen that a long time ago. That's the Jeepers um, Creepers, the Scarecrow it, one. Yeah, and Got it's it. a movie yeah. that actually came out. I want to say relatively contemporary to this one. I mean, but oh yeah, like probably four or five years after. Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, okay, Jeepers so like Creepers two. is a movie that I remember watching and sitting here and going, "This is scary. This is building something." And then they reveal the monster, and I'm like, "Well, they just ruined the movie." They killed all the goodwill that they had built in the next, you know, in the previous 45 minutes of the film when they revealed that giant flying demon wingy thing <laughs> because it was not scary. The creeper was not scary to me. It was like, I, I grew up watching Ray Harryhausen movies and looking at, you know, the Dawn of the Dead makeup and going, holy crap, that's scary. Who is that guy? I never want to go to his movies. And when I saw that, I'm like, you know, no, this is out. I literally stopped watching, turned the channel when that stupid monster showed up. And I feel like if they had given us a Blair Witch that wasn't subjectively scary, if they'd given us some, you know, some dumbass Tim Curry looking thing or, well, I shouldn't mm, say Tim that. Curry thing. <laughs> Tim Curry thing is pretty, is pretty creepy. Is. Maybe, it maybe is. you're mentioning a Tim Burton thing. Maybe I would believe that. Okay, you know, that is exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking <laughs> Beetlejuice when he stretches out his arms yeah. and knocks the characters through, and Robert Goulet goes flying through the roof and everybody cheers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that if they had done something like that that was overtly, you know, crafty, arts and crafty or, you know, a, a nascent digital effect of 1999 which could have been horrific. You know, if they had done something bad, it would have killed everything. So giving us a, an unsatisfying, you know, kind of asymmetrical, which is not the word I'm looking for, ambiguous, ambiguous finale, it works for me on the level of, again, reality is messy. And if, yeah. you're, trying to, if you're trying to immerse me in this story and claim that it's reality, then it's messy. Heather dropped the camera and did not show us the thing that we needed to see, the thing that killed her. And had it fallen perfectly, we could have seen the Blair Witch and gone, oh, holy crap, it's a well, Tim Burton animation effect. Yeah, so the other thing, too, that's nice about this ambiguity is there's so many different interpretations that can come out of this. Were they right. actually killed by the quote-unquote Blair, Blair Witch? Were they killed by a um, uh, serial Murder. killer? Or were two of them killed by the third <laughs> member of their party? Right. Mm -hmm. Josh, I've heard the Josh theory too, because if you, if you read this movie as Josh is the killer and he, he ditches them and he leads them around in circles and he subtly manipulates them and then disappears so that he can stalk and murder them. It's a different kind of horrible movie, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a read that I don't, I don't support. I don't like as much as the idea of maybe or maybe not. There's a well, scary, so scary. We're, well, we're, I'm confused if if the reading at the end of the movie, which makes sense, that it's a serial killer in the woods, right? Right. How does a serial? Because in the, the the legend of the seven murdered children, they're mm -hmm. children. He can make one stand in the corner. Yeah. He, uh, supposedly, this would be an old man. Right. How does an old man tell? A college student to shut and up and stand in the corner. And that's where, well, maybe there's others. There's more than one person banging on that tent in the middle of the night. There, there could be a whole yeah. hillbilly family up there in the main woods. All of a sudden, we're in a remake of The Hills Have Eyes. And yeah. Which is, Michael is, Berryman is, could use the work. So, I'm so here's, the, here's the thing you have to remember about horror, and, and you're going to see this again and again and again. The less you show of something in horror, the oh, yeah. scarier oh, sure. it becomes. Uh, we've yes. learned that with Jaws. Mm -hmm. As we get to the omen, you'll see that too, that the scariest moments you never see because you cut away from it, but your mind fills in that gap and you're totally freaked out. Oh no, trust me. The scariest part of this movie was uh, 30 minutes in when they're running in the forest the first time from yeah. the kids laughing. That was right. the scariest yeah. thing I have experienced And in a you long time. are scared of the unknown. Again, it goes back to that lizard brain of fight or flight. And when you hear something or something doesn't register to you correctly, mm. you start to freak out. I should not be hearing a baby laughing or crying <laughs> or doing whatever in the woods. That is well, creepy I as all heck. Now I am terrified. Mm -hmm. And then the movie just plays up on that. So, yeah. you know, you, you there's a lot of different 
types of horror. There's the the psychological type horror. There is the slasher type horror. And then there's movies like this that just plays upon your fear of the dark. And that's all they're doing is telling you a ghost story in the dark and saying, okay, bye, see ya. And hanging on the door was a hook, right? It's but that story. They're hanging from the rear view mirror was a bloody hook. It It, it is literally that story is what yeah. they're telling. Uh, so, you know, in a lot of ways, Blair Witch Project works. It helped reignite a type of story, a genre of storytelling. Uh, it's not, I would not say that this is a great movie. I would say it's a good movie. I think it's a good example of stuff and it certainly paved the way for other things, but that's what we can say about a lot of films that were, and I don't want to say this is first, but in modern storytelling, this is the quote unquote first time that we really see something used up to this, to this, uh, spectrum. And it did show other filmmakers. Oh, this is what we can do. We can do a Cloverfield. We can do a Chronicle. We can do an Afflicted. And each time people do it better and better and better to the point where, like I said, the next one is going to be so realistic that people will really think that this is a real event that happened. Um, so, like I said, in a lot of ways, Blair Witch Project is a success, but it's not a great movie. Right. Well, it's I mean, it's 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 an, what I like to look at the, the your movies. You got your movies. You have and then your you film. have your movies <laughs> and then you have flicks. movies. No, this is a thing. You have your film. Citizen Kane is a wonderful person. Yeah, it's a, it's film. a film. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, like, say, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, that is a flick. That yeah, is it's just a flick. This is a flick. flick. This is a great flick. It's an okay movie. It's not really a very good film. Yeah. But it's. I think it's significant in what it achieves. It manages to get away with a lot of things that it probably shouldn't. Yep. And it manages to take, you know, a, a, that found footage genre. And I, I agree with you. It's certainly not the first, but it's kind of like an Ur example. This is what mm -hmm. people refer to. Right. Cloverfield is like, oh, it's a science fiction Blair Witch Project. You know, people, I, I remember someone saying it may have been Leonard Maltin who actually said that. But it's one of those films that it works, I think, because of the whole of its parts. And one of the things that works for it. Is it the parts that are missing? The fact that we never see that witch, the fact that these kids aren't actually very good filmmakers, <laughs> you know, the fact that we are, we see things in the film that are anachronistic to having happened in 1994 that are clearly things from 1999 and 2000, that, that all kind of works to somehow to me, at least reinforce the good parts of the narrative. And what it really comes down to is a story of you take these three kids and they're bright, shiny kids and one's snarky and one's peppy and one's driven. And you take them out into the woods and you just beat the crap out of them for several days. And you see, you know, the, the fraying of their humanity and you see them kind of come apart and you see just the horror and the tension building and building and building, but there's never a moment you never see whether Josh dies. Right. I mean, we, we see what seem to be parts of Josh, but we never see Josh die. We hear him screaming like he's being tortured in the woods, but we never see anything bad happen to Josh. We never see. And that's why there's that telling of this is just Josh out there killing people. Right. And that's, but we never see anything happen to Mike. We see Mike in the corner. We see that, oh God, you guys, I don't know if you were both on the episode. Do you remember a few years ago, we did an episode of top five, top five nightmares. Yeah. And my, my number one nightmare is the scary, scary house with all the twists and turns and the scary dark basement and don't ever go in the basement. <laughs> and oh my God, sometimes even is now, 46 years old, 46 <laughs> years old, sometimes I will wake up from a dream of oh, capital yeah. T house. Yeah. I don't. I mean, Just, I don't like horror movies. I And I've talked about this over the years is horror movies are not something that I go out of my way to watch. But over the last eh, five years or so, I've made it a point to sit down and say, OK, let's start watching some horror movies. Let's see mm -hmm. what makes a horror movie work. Let's see if it scares me or not. And there are some horror movies that legitimately scare me. Um, but some of them just just don't. Right. That's my problem is that I've watched so few horror movies that I feel oh, you're about like to watch I'm the some cheap of the scare, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's not I like I've watched enough comedy and I know, I don't know comedy, but you know, there's like something like, Oh, this, this is really not that 
yeah, funny of a joke, right, you know, right. and you can kind of get that. Uh, the problem with horror is that it's so, I mean, it's so being scared and having those senses like go crazy and you freak out. It's so built in to our brains that yeah. it, it, it is overload for mm-hmm. me because I haven't. Mm-hmm. I literally have to remind myself as I'm watching this, I'm like, I don't need to be afraid. I'm in my office. Yeah. I'm in a chair. I'm not in the woods. Right. Nothing's going to kill me. But, oh, God, what just touched my leg? Oh, it's just my furry dog. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, that's what works. It's what's in the dark. It's what you don't understand. So here's the question that I have for you. Someone comes to you, Zach, as an editor, or Matthew, both of you, I'll ask this question oh. to both of you. Oh. Someone comes to you as an editor and ethical. says, we just found <laughs> all of this crazy ass footage and we think that there's like something here. What would you have taken out of this movie? You have nothing more. Let's just say there's nothing more than what is in the movie, but you can take things out of the movie to help craft your story. What would I take out of the movie as it's presented? Yeah. Ooh. Because the first thing that the first thing that I would take out is there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of them just fighting and arguing. And it's like, about the third major fight that they're ha- they have, I'm sitting there going, right, we get it. You're angry at each other. And then two minutes later, they're like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I would have taken right. out more of that stuff. Really? Yeah. Because See, I, I love that. You can have like two, you can have it twice. And I think the audience gets it. But when it goes to the fourth or fifth time of just people screaming at each other, it's like, doesn't make any sense unless they're really going for one of them killed the other two. I, and then th- went, that, and then walked over the woods to Canada. Yeah, sure. That aspect of the film is actually where I thought, where I hoped it was going to go, in that they were all just so paranoid by being hungry and tired, exactly. and so freaked out about what could have just been like animals rummaging through the forest that it's they ended clip. up dying. Yeah, but, you know what I mean. I mean and so that, the, the the breakdown of the social aspect of the group. Is what exactly. I really enjoyed about it. And I think that I would not take that out because that, I mean, that's primitive. That's archetypical. That is, that's Jungian psychology, man. You see people descend into suspicion and distrust. And the way they cut this. Well, uh, but that's the problem. They, you can, you can show it in less time and with less footage than what, the, what we actually saw. You can still get that entire point across. But the longer they draw it out, the faker the arguments appear on screen, the less real they do. I didn't I didn't get that. And to me, that's the equivalent of saying, why do we have this long, drawn out Robert Shaw speech in the middle of Jaws that takes us away from the narrative of, you know, man versus nature and the evil shark? Because that really tells us that draws us into Quint's world and that gives us. Yeah, that's a story that Quint's telling that's the, the right. story that Quint is telling. People having the exact same argument again and again and again with the just, basically the exact same thing going on doesn't, in my mind, does not push the story forward, nor does it create any new character development. And it's it's stuff that could have been taken out. There's like 10 minutes of this film that could have been taken out. See, I think what to me I would have taken out if this was truly a story about kids in the woods on a film project. I think the the first 10 minutes of them getting ready to go shoot the film project is only there to justify batteries. Yeah. Like the first 10 minutes is just about batteries and such. You know what I mean? And then I, you just like cut everything until they get to whatever the town actually is. And they actually start filming I I disagree there, too. I feel like well, part of the problem that I have with this is that an 80-minute running time is... Well, me, and so that's part of the problem. An 80-minute runtime is a pretty slimmed-down film in terms of horror. There's almost... I mean, so here's the problem. In order to have a th- theatrical release, you have to have 75 minutes worth of film, right? right. Otherwise, you can't get it as a theatrical release. So oftentimes, so, what happens is you have to extend a bunch of stuff just to get that, to squeeze out as much as you can to get it past that 75 or 80 minutes or whatever it needs to be. Even, um, the guy that did uh, baby driver, what's his name? Um, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright 
has talked about in his first film that they got distributed, it came in at like 66 minutes or something. And they're like, oh, crap, we have to pad this out. And so they created like this five minute intro sequence that was all animated. And then they then they made the credits run twice as slow so that they could stretch those things out. And unfortunately, I think some of the things in this film are only there because they're like, crap, we need 75 minutes or we need 85 minutes so we can submit this to the film festivals. The opening portions of the movie really establish who these three schmucks are. I think if we cut that down too much more, we would kind of lose any reason to care about them because once they get in the woods, they're dicks. Once they get in the woods, it's, you know, a a screeching martinet and a jackass and a guy who's sniping at both of them and claiming to be right down the middle and they're all jerks. And I feel like having those opening minutes where they're young and fresh and happy and they're like, hi, I'm Mike. Hi, I'm Heather. You know, they introduce themselves to each other and to us and give us some sort of grounding to give a damn. Now, I might be willing to go with Steven's assumption that we could cut out some of the fighting. I think that would work. But I think if you cut too much, if you cut much more than we have, you've kind of taken away some of what's working to build that tension because the, the fun of this tension is the fact that it's making them crazy. It's making Josh nuts. Mm -hmm. It's making Mike paranoid. It's making Heather into just a screaming nutcase. And they actually justify why Heather won't turn off the camera at one point. And I, I think you can't take that out either because it's probably the most successful justification of why we have footage that makes a coherent narrative and nobody Mm -hmm. turns off the camera is that Heather starts to freak out and thinks that I'm just going to treat this like a movie because I can control my movie. I'm so sorry, mom, dad, I wish I had clean underwear. Oh my God. But that moment to me is maybe the strongest piece of the flick because she freaks out. And at one point he points the camera at her. He's like, I can see why you like this because it makes it feel less real. And I'm like, Damn, that's, I mean, that's a great piece of dialogue. Whoever came up with that, that is a great piece of dialogue, and it's a really important chunk of why this movie works. I don't know if I'd want to pare Blair Witch down much more. There are things that I would actually want more of if I were taking things out, but since you've not allowed that, I don't... (laughs) The the ending through the house sequence... I might cut the ending house sequence down a bit, because the running... That that's the part that that to me was the closest to nausea creating. It, to me, it was it was one. I'm trying to think back through all of the sequences when they were shooting on video and the 16 millimeter. But the house sequence, they at the are end. continuous. Yeah, at the end, they're continuously jumping back and forth. Yeah, they're through showing the you cameras two different points of view. Yeah, and really, and they're pretty much just tailing each other. And yeah. well, to a point. To a point. And then Mike's camera conveniently doesn't really capture anything what happens to him in the freaking basement mm-hmm. that would have been nice maybe he finally ran out of film but i, but do I don't love know the effect where he has the audio so you hear her screaming in the distance and you hear her running down the halls toward him and the audio is coming from his camera so whatever's happening to him is happening to him and you hear her getting closer and screaming and stomping down the stairs and i'm like oh i love that effect that is so neat to me but yeah, I might cut that closing sequence a little bit. I think it could be edited more tightly. Although I have to admit, I do and haven't recently, but almost certainly will now, have occasional nightmares about the rooms with the the strange, you know, ruins and the runes on the wall and the blood handprints. The bed, the, the kid handprints were freaky. Yeah, yeah. The handprint, but those runes. I'm like, what language is that? What do they say? What do they say? Did did the sequel of this movie, The Blair Witch, which the only Blair reason Witch. I really wanted to watch it is because they pulled uh, a fast one on everyone when they debuted it because it was they were marketing this film as the woods or as the forest and they had posters and it was just supposed to be this new horror movie and then that's what it was going into I believe like Comic Con or something. And then and then they showed this film, and then at some point, I don't know when, people in theater realized it was the sequel to The Blair Witch Project, which just seems like super, super awesome to me. I mean, I, I loved when I read that story about how they pulled that off and to keep it 
a secret and then they like drop the real poster and the real name. Mm-hmm. But did, did anything come of that movie? I, there's, there's no way I'm watching it. It's not terrible. I think it grossed like 20 million against a budget of something like 77. Five or something, I don't yeah. know. I yeah. don't know. It did okay, you know, money-wise. I feel like as a story, it's very much a by-the-numbers modern horror tale. Did it did it and, establish there's a witch? Because I thought I saw a spoiler on Wikipedia when I was reading about the Blair Witch Project. It remains as, well, not quite as ambiguous, but it does remain ambiguous about the existence or non-existence. There is more overtly supernatural uh, S-word happening. There are more things that you can only chalk up to the presence of magic or evil. And there's um, spoilers. If you if you haven't seen Blair Witch and you want to, just click off for like 12 seconds. There's a time travel subplot. What? Okay, uh, because continued that, spoilers in that I saw on Wikipedia that Heather plays herself and the witch in this new one. <laughs> if that happened, I didn't catch it. Oh, but I'll have to go back I, and look at the Wikipedia. I will say this. Um, when I was watching this movie, there are a couple of moments where uh, we see additional footage that we never saw in Blair Witch Project mm. that claims to be Heather's footage that does feature things that may be the face of Heather and or the face of a witch. But I can also say that as the movie goes on, it becomes clear that the witch is not just messing with their heads and building rock piles this time. At one point, the characters are separated and two of them come back and they're like, how long has it been? And the people are like, you've been gone for like half an hour. He's like, it's been five days for us. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that's, that's kind weird. of thing. I don't recall overtly seeing Heather okay. and I'll saying Heather, but there's also, there's a moment where something that reminds me of, of all things, 10 Cloverfield Lane happens. Yeah. You know that, that thing that they do where light rushes in through all the points in the room and you're yeah. just like, wait, is this weird? Is this scary? I don't think it was. It's a much less scary film for me. Okay. The, the, less engrossing, but yeah. Okay. The Blair Witch Project had a budget of $60,000 when yep. it was created yep. and it made significantly much more Money than $60,000. And that's where part of the problem uh, comes in because the actors and uh, the person who was serving as executive producer in this film ended up suing the production company. Oh, really? Because they got nothing. They got really nothing. The actors got paid $1,000 a day. Uh, There was over 19 hours worth of footage uh, that was shot for this film that they had to then pare down, which is why I think it could be pared down a little bit more. Yeah. Um, So there were. There were problems with that. Uh, those were settled in court, but there's one, and I was trying to find it. That's why I've been quiet for the last couple of minutes. Um, I was trying to find this thing that had to result, and and so this film was conceived by the the, the filmmakers mm-hmm. um, when they were in uh, college, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, so they conceived of this in college, but the story that I followed and again i'm trying to find this down and and maybe i'm thinking of a totally different uh film completely but the deal was that they used the university of florida's equipment to make this movie as part of their film studies and after it became a big success uh the university tried to get money out of the crew because they're like well you used our equipment this Mm -hmm. was a film student project (laughs) we deserve part of this money and so it created a big to do across college campuses about who owns the rights to student films that are produced in, in coursework or mm-hmm. in the, or for a culminating project or for a thesis or anything like that. And the ruling is that anything that you create Zach while you're at the university, mm-hmm. technically using university property is technically owned by the university, even the university you went to. Mm-hmm. And so if the university wanted money or wanted to hold the rights or wanted to do something with that, that's why when um, uh, people apply for patents coming out of universities, it's often shared both with the person and with the university because those Mm -hmm. were created essentially on the university time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the upshot of this was this big question and this big conversation about what do we do with student projects that then go on to make money or that then turn into something big. 
Some universities uh, have come out to say that, no, it's totally student work. They can do whatever they want with it. It's student real work. But we, you know, reserve the right to um, play Change up on the publicity. Mind. Well, yeah. no, use it for uh, publicity, publicity for sure. our for our university if okay. we want. And that's kind of the the our university's uh, method is mm-hmm. that it's totally yours. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, if you get some publicity off of it or if you're making lots of money with it, it's our right to say, hey, that was made here at this university. Come to our school. Mm-hmm. Give us money, et cetera. Other universities are like, no, uh, it is totally our property. And if you make money from this, we want our cut. Mm. And so it's it's been controversial. And I could have swore that the Blair Witch was the one that really brought this to a head and caused uh-huh. universities to actually create policy uh, that outlines – these kinds of things as, as far as what it comes to student work, because it's not. A, and this is the weird thing about video and film programs is that. We're not really an arts program. Uh-huh. We're not really a business or any other kind of program. And it's very difficult for people to come to grips, especially in the university setting of that. Your student film is the equivalent of an art student who's painting a painting or making a piece of pottery and selling that at an art show. The university isn't asking for you know, a cut of that. So why would mm-hmm. the university be asking for a cut of your film? And so it just gets into this really gray area and, and listeners can certainly write in with their thoughts on that. Uh, but each university is different. And if you are at a university and you are thinking of doing something that potentially could be submitted to film festivals or the like, you better make sure and you better have it in writing who owns your project, because it would mm-hmm. be horrible for you to submit it to a film festival, someone buys it for $5 million, and then suddenly the university's like, oh, yeah, we own 90% of all that money that you just made mm-hmm. because you used our equipment, you used it on our time for a class project, et cetera. So just be aware of those I wonder what, things. like, NYU or USC's, because they have I mean, they have pretty prestigious film programs mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. people are, like, making short films for mm-hmm. their projects and wonder what their situation yeah, is. I don't know. Uh, you know, and that also brings up the question of, uh, software because that's a big thing right now at the university reading about that no i haven't what's I haven't. the deal so here's here's okay, what happens is if i'm using a student license for any kind of software i'm oh, prohibited yeah. from using it for commercial work yeah. well if i use it for my film project as a student mm-hmm. and then i go and sell it i have technically used those applications for professional work for paid work mm-hmm. and so it also brings into the controversy i don't know which one there's you're there's about. a case going on right now that i've only read like the start of an article from the Hollywood Reporter on about, um, oh, who, I know what you're talking you know, about. You're talking about the lifelike face movement. Uh, no, I'm talking. Software. I think mm, I don't know if they. That's can, where they, that's where it's coming off. from. It's is coming it, from the it? Benjamin Buttons, uh, the people who created the software for Benjamin Buttons. Yeah, there were two of them that were working at this company where uh-huh. it was developed. It was used for for Benjamin Buttons, and then one of the partners got upset. He left and g- then gave the software. To all of these other studios for all of their other. And okay. so Disney's yeah, been using this it. Paramount yeah. universe, yeah, like yeah. all the studios have been using it. And now the company that actually owns the software is going, you guys used an illegal version That's of yeah. the software that was not authorized <laughs> for you to use. <laughs> mm-hmm. So therefore you owe us money based on the success of your film. Yes, right. that's exactly yeah. what that's about. So. That should be because it's like the biggest movies that have been made recently. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be interesting. to yeah. follow. So did you like this movie, Zach? Uh, yes, I actually did sans like the last, uh, five minutes, Yeah, but it was scary and it freaked me out. And it also made me think I, I want to look at like, uh, national park overnight stay logs after oh, yeah. a really big horror movie takes place <laughs> in the woods and see if like they are reducing the amount of people that are going camping or not. Cause that would certainly be something that my wife would be like, yeah, we're never going camping again. Why would you show this to me? <laughs> uh, but I was happy to finally watch um, what I kind of consider a quintessential horror movie from my lifetime that I have yeah. chosen to skip for many, many years. Well, yeah, we've got that, a whole bunch more horror stuff coming out. Next week, we've got a relatively newcomer to the horror genre. Very excited. Uh, it is Get Out. Yeah. Which is one I have seen in theaters. One of, I think, three horror movies I've seen in theaters. Uh, Get Out is, uh, I think, truly like a masterpiece film. Yeah, this is uh, written, co-produced, directed by Jordan Peele Mm -hmm. as his directorial debut. Uh, It was up for a lot of awards. It's really, really solid. It really gets into race relations, 
But as much of a horror film that it is, to me, it is very much a Lovecraft film. And we'll speak about that next week on Zach on Film. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for that episode to come out, head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page. And you can give all of your thoughts about the Blair Witch Project and all of the ideas and subjects we have discussed on this episode. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you could buy uh, the Blair Witch Project or even the new release, The Blair Witch uh, over on Amazon, you can probably get them on Blu-ray, of course. It's not going to cost you any extra when you use that link, but a little bit of the money, money will come back to Major Spoilers to help keep podcasts like this coming to your podcast listening device each and every week. Uh, so that's going to be it for this week's episode of Zekon Film. We'll see you next week. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. 